What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast about your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, founder and editor of GoBigBlueCountry.com, joined as always by my co-host, Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, you ready for another episode of this? Let's get it going. Well, Derek, you, you sort of jinxed it, I think, Friday night when you mentioned that all this could be old news in a couple of weeks. Well, I, I think you might have meant a couple of hours because uh, it, yeah, a couple of minutes because <laughs> we hung up. I think I published the episode Friday night late, and I tweeted out the link Saturday morning, and literally I think within five minutes of tweeting out the link, it looked like the college football season might have been canceled by the end of that day. So what's the last 48 hours just been like for you? Just, you know, in this job, this field that we do, in our field of work, it's kind of been a stressful time, really uneasy. Yeah, it has been. I mean, it seemed like yesterday um, from some some of the reporting from – Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger and some other guys, it seemed like probably by tomorrow that college football was going to be finished for this year. The Big Ten, uh, even a report this morning, which I'm still a little unclear on, but a report this morning from the Detroit Free Press suggested that the season had been canceled. And now we're recording this a little after 10 on Monday night, and you had Pete Thamel just a few minutes ago tweet that you shouldn't expect any decisions from the Big Ten tonight. So somehow the Big Ten has got itself into a situation that you have very public people, Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State, and other, other prominent leaders. Uh, Scott Frost, I know, had an interview today. Um, these are people who are not on board with canceling the college football season, or at least you know maybe want to give us some more time than – than what we're seeing right now. And I think you're seeing some some of the top brass at these schools, uh, the presidents and things like that. It, it seems like there's probably a divide. And there could even be a, a divide with what the Big Ten thought was going to happen if it went ahead and announced. Maybe they thought much like some of the other things that we've seen. Uh, I'm thinking back to March with the college basketball conference tournaments. Once one conference canceled uh, the conference tournament, a lot of the other schools did as well. Maybe they thought that would happen too with football. But you're seeing that the SEC – the ACC, these other schools, I don't think they're ready to throw in the towel yet. No, and you and I talked, you know, yesterday, we talked today, and it seems like every time we get on the phone to talk and discuss this or text about it, something changes. I mean, it's within, I mean, like news you write about at noon is old news by 1230. I mean, it's just how it's been for the last few days. And I, I don't know about you, but I remember when everything started unraveling back in March with all the cancellations, all the postponements, just everything. Saturday morning, I didn't feel that way, but yesterday, Sunday, I felt the same way that I felt in March. I was like, this thing, is it's moving rapidly, and if this thing, if the, if the Pac-12 joins, I mean, what does the SEC do? I mean, you're, you're in a position where you don't want to be the last one, but then again, it, like you said, it feels like now they're digging in, mm-hmm. and 
unlike the schedule things, we, we've seen these conferences over the last few weeks do their own thing. They announce on their own time. I don't know if there are any discussions with the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC. It seems like everybody wanted to do their own thing. I don't know if, if, if we play. It feels to me like this is going to have to be a thing where all these people come together and say, all right, how do we do this? Because I just don't know if one conference can do one thing. This conference can do this. I, I don't know. I feel like this has to be sort of a unified response to this. But now it, it looks like that maybe there might be college football. I don't know. Like it's, it could change tomorrow. It could, but like you said, I don't expect anything to happen tonight. Like it was said, um, hopefully this podcast isn't old news by 6 a.m. Because we're going to have Chris Doring of the SEC Network set to join us. That's somebody that I've recorded with multiple times. Derek, I don't know if I don't know if you've talked to him before or not on an interview. No, I, I haven't. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Chris is a guy that I, I watch during the football season in particular. I watch a lot of SEC Network. Um, not so much in the off seasons, but you know, Chris has been on there. Chris has been a guy. I know in talking to you in the past, he's been someone who is often bullish on UK. Uh, back in 2018, he back then it was kind of going out on a limb to uh, paint UK in a very positive light the way he did back then. And then this year, obviously things have changed. You get two years that have been pretty solid back-to-back, and then you get a pretty good roster this year. And it's not as um, – you're not going to get as, as much probably critical takes and saying UK could have a good season because it's – I wouldn't say it's – absolutely expected because you don't get that from a ton of national or local media but we've seen UK have good seasons under Mark Stoops and it's not going to shock anybody if they have a well maybe maybe with an SEC only schedule I was going to say if they pull up eight or nine wins that would be probably very shocking to a lot of people but this in a year like this six or seven wins will probably be a a very good mark for for Kentucky yeah and and if we see that we're going to play college football and if we get that schedule here in the next few weeks I mean obviously we're going to wait I don't I don't want to go and do something and then you know it cancel the next day but we will break down all those games we will talk about the most difficult to the least difficult we'll probably make some predictions things like that but it feels like the topic tonight or today is all going to be about just what has transpired over the last 48 hours uh as we're sitting here recording it looks like the American Conference USA and Sunbelt are leagues playing to move forward with the 2020 season. It feels a little bit more encouraging now, does it, than it did maybe even this morning? It does. You know, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, put out his statement this afternoon. They're not going to rush into anything. You know, part of that already with the SEC, unlike some of these other leagues, I mean, SEC gave itself time at the start, it being September 26th. That was about the latest of any, I think it was the latest of any conference. I mean, you know, before teams started going to these conference-only schedules, uh, we might have talked about this Friday night, I don't remember. You had Oklahoma, who set to play a game in 19 days, originally scheduled August 29th. <laughs> so that's not a whole lot of time right now to figure out what's going on. Whereas the SEC, yes, you do have practice. You know, you need – if you're going to play on the 26th, you need to get these guys into camp. You need to get their bodies ready to to play. But at the same time, you got some cushion there. I mean, you got some time to figure out how this thing goes. You can make these decisions that need to be made. And like you said, I mean, I think as of tonight, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's for sure going to be played, but I'm not as, I guess, pessimistic that it won't happen as maybe what I was on Sunday. And, you know, we talked this morning. We thought that that's what we were going to have to be today when we recorded. We, We literally thought that this is going to be one of those episodes where how can you find any kind of silver lining that maybe this thing gets done? And we talked about this Friday night. The health of these players, the health of these student athletes, it is absolutely the number one thing. Like there, there's nothing else that should be over top of it. But 
there's going to be a lot of money lost if this season's not played. But still, the health of these kids is so much more important than losing that much money. I, I just that's how I feel. I think that's how everybody feels. But in the back of our mind, I think a lot of people they want to see college football played, and we started seeing that with the best players in college football, the Trevor Lawrences. You know, Justin Fields, we saw the big names in this sport come out. A guy like Lawrence that you and I have talked about, whether this season's played or not, he's the number one pick likely in the NFL draft. He doesn't have anything to gain by playing this season, but he was the lead voice last night that we saw coming out, the statement coming out. As you see that happening late last night, I mean, it might have, people probably were in the bed when some of that stuff started coming out. What, what was your reaction when you started seeing those reactions from the prominent names in college football? And then today – ADs and head coaches follow? I think it's going to make a difference. Um, certainly with public opinion, it's going to make a difference, I think. when I'm thinking back, Sean, I think it was Ohio State. When teams first started going back to workouts, Ohio State had their kids sign a waiver, right, their players? Yeah. I, I believe in that. They got some, some backlash from that. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a few months ago, or, or maybe at least, at least one month ago. So – they were kind of the only ones I remember hearing that from. But now I think you had um, Harris at, at Alabama tweet, I think it was him, that, you know, let us sign a waiver, those of us who want to play. And maybe even Brandon Eccles, uh, Kentucky might have had that to say today, to, to sign a waiver for those who want to play, go by those protocols that you had established already and, and try to play. If, if somebody wants to opt out, that's fine. They can keep their scholarship. They can keep their eligibility um, and go from there. But, you know, it's um, it's tough because on the same on the same note, there are kids who some schools are going to be better than others at keeping kids safe. You've seen at Colorado State a big big deal there. Uh, we talk about EKU, and that's not an FBS school, but it, you're talking about those non-power five schools that maybe aren't going to be able to go by the protocols that some of these big leagues can. So, still think the SEC. I mean, if everyone's handling the situation right, I think you're going to get the vast majority of kids who want to play. Obviously, the coaches want to uh, be out there coaching, I, I think they're going to do everything they can um, to play. And whether that involves waivers or what, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure that's where a lot of the hang-ups uh, hang are in terms of the liability these schools might, might face if a team or, or some kids on the team catch um, coronavirus and, and have some long-term effects. We don't know if that will happen. Uh, it might. It might not. But – there are some hangups probably that we don't know about for sure yet that are still going to have to get ironed out. But there's no doubt in my mind they're going to do everything they can to, to try to play because you're right. I mean, the, the one argument that I'm still not really sure on is the one that's like if they don't play football, everyone's just getting sent home. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of these schools are still trying to have class. I mean, if these are students, now you might have the – you know, you might face the thing where maybe some of these kids are only in college because to play football and they do what they can in the classroom to stay eligible or whatnot. Maybe their interest in school – uh, is not as nearly as strong if there's no football to look forward to. I don't know about that. But in terms of – I don't think – I know UK is not going to try to have in-person classes. They had kids moving in today. So you would think these kids would stay on campus and continue to, uh, to, to be there learning. But perhaps the bubble or whatnot that they have them in at the football complex, uh, it probably won't be as, as tight as it is now. But it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know where that that came from. With that, everybody well, would just be coaches. sitting home. I mean, you're, I know. You're Nick Saban saying, you know, these kids running around home. I think Trevor Lawrence. Maybe some schools aren't having in-person classes. I don't know the schedule for every single school. 
Yeah, and we've seen players today, not just you know prominent national players. We've seen UK guys come out and say, "I saw a tweet from AJ Rose that was like, did the Big Ten really cancel?" Mm-hmm. Like you know, imagine being these kids right now, sitting here wondering, you know, here's AJ Rose, a fifth year guy, came back, didn't transfer. You know, a lot of people I think might have thought that somebody would leave out of that backfield last year. Here he is at Kentucky, hoping he gets his senior season. Terry Wilson, I don't know if you saw this or not. Somebody actually did a screen recording. He had an Instagram live today, and he didn't keep it up after he after he posted or after he uh, wrapped up the interview or whatever the live he was doing. Sorry for my terminology there. I don't do Instagram <laughs> live. But I listened to it before somebody deleted it, and he said in it, I want to play. We want to play. I'm going to see if I can find it again. I might be able to clip some audio and hear from it. But he went live on his Instagram today saying that we want to play. And then somebody mentioned the SEC, you know, it just means more. And he even alluded to that. He said, yeah, the SEC, if it's going to get done some, anywhere, it's going to get done the SEC. So you're seeing these guys, which Terry's different, where he's coming off an injury. But he also he has a kid on the way, Derek. And, I mean, we see these guys that they want to go out here. This is a kid. I talked to his mom a couple of weeks ago. He has hopes of possibly getting to the NFL someday. He's hoping that he can show his skill set in his senior year. And I mean, of course he wants to get out there and play. So when you see these guys saying these things, I mean, a lot of people are having to make difficult decisions. And I've, I'm, I'm just glad that I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's... Just brutal decisions. I mean, you're going to get hammered regardless of what comes out from one side or the other. It's, it's just That's just how it works with anything, especially tough decisions like this. You know, it can be a life-changing season for a lot of guys. I mean, I, I think Eccles has been pretty vocal about it on Twitter. I don't follow him, but I see him pop up on my feed. And, and Terry, obviously, you know, these are guys, if, if they want to make the NFL, this is their last audition this season. If they don't get that, being realistic, Terry Wilson's not getting drafted this year if he doesn't have a season to go through and get more film on. Eccles, I don't know. I mean, he had a good year last year, so maybe. But I can't really think of many guys on UK's team. I mean, maybe Landon Young would – would be picked regardless, maybe Darian Kennard, but you got some fringe guys who I think the NFL teams probably like, but they'd like to see another year. Terry in particular, I mean, he, he's in about the most unfortunate spot you can be in because he got hurt last year, and he already missed that one year. Well, if they don't play this year, I mean, the poor kid's going to go about two years without having played a game. And trying to find yourself at the next level, that's that's challenging. Very challenging, but – you know, we've we've got this interview with Chris Doring that we're going to get into. So we'll we'll come back after the interview and we'll talk about some key points with him. Here we go, Chris Doring coming right up. Welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily, as we're joined by Chris Doring of the SEC Network. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, no, thanks for having me, man. It's good to be on with you. Uh, Chris, it's been uh, a wild 72 hours in college football, really just around college sports in general. So Friday night, the SEC is releasing the schedules. Uh, Kentucky's schedule comes out along with the other schools in the SEC, the two additional opponents. You wake up Saturday morning, and it's almost like everything's going off the rails. What have the last two to three days been like? Well, it, it couldn't be a bigger contrast in uh, emotions. And you talked about the emotional roller coaster. It has really literally been up and down and, and been hour to hour. You know, that, that Saturday, Friday night show that Dari and I did, I don't know that I've ever had a chance to do something as fun as what I got a chance to do right there. 
having the answers to what everybody wanted to know in advance of them, trying to keep that secret for two hours, getting on the air, and then you know doing 15 minutes of live television after not having done any of it in, in almost a year, it was, uh, it was really a fun show to do. You go back and look at it, it's like, man, I wish I could have done this better or done that better with it. But then to wake up the next morning and have the Mac make their announcement and subsequently after that all the rumors about what was going to happen with the, the Power Five and the Big Ten, uh, literally it, it's just been an incredible up and down swings of emotion. Uh, but I do think at this point in time, I mean, I, I don't know when this is going to air, but it's Monday night at 9.43 and I'm actually feeling like we're back on an uptick and uh, got a little more hope than maybe we did this morning when we woke up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But you know, before Derek ask you something here, you know, we've seen some of the biggest names in college football over the last few days, you know, coming out and saying they want to play. We saw it at Kentucky. There's been seven or eight non-players say it today on social media. Just when you see all that reaction, does it feel like now maybe it seemed like in July when schedules were coming out, you know, the Big Ten want to do their thing. SEC wants to do their thing. ACC, does it seem like now that everyone's sort of maybe trying to come together and say, how do we get this done if we are going to play? I think it's, 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 the, it's the players that are coming together. The coaches actually have been very pleased with the coaches coming out with their voices on social media as well. Unfortunately, what's not together are the, the Power Five commissioners themselves, the presidents of these universities. Like, I really feel like what the Big Ten did uh, over the weekend was exactly what they did a month ago when they went out on their own. They decided to not – not, not have any sort of conversation with the rest of the Power Five commissioners, announced that they were going to have a conference-only schedule, which I think was inevitable for everybody, but it didn't have to be announced at that time. There was no real sense of urgency to do it when they did it, and there's no real sense of urgency if, in fact, they do call the season off now to do it when you can either pause like the pac 12s committed to or let's just let, let things play out. Like the SEC, I thought Greg Sankey, as he has done so many times before, has, has put a great plan together. Let's watch what happens with the NFL when they're in training camp. Let's watch their first few games of the season. Let's get kids back on campus, and let's see how this thing plays out without making a premature decision. Chris, like Sean said, we're, we're glad to have you on the podcast tonight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, you talked about it a little bit right there, but how much do you think it is the players with the hashtag, we want to play? You, you get some of the biggest names, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, a uh, bunch of people at Alabama, I think even the ADs there. Yeah. Tweeting about that. Just how much do you think that with player empowerment, how much do you think that's been kind of the change today and what we've seen from the Big Ten looking like it was going to cancel altogether now looking like they might be holding off on that? Well, you forgot about the President of the United States, 84.9 oh, yeah. million followers, and he's hashtagging we want to play, you know. So it's like I, I, it's definitely gained some momentum here. And uh, unfortunately, as we all know, what the players want isn't always what the players get. And I think that's been one of the biggest things that we've talked about over the last couple of, of, uh, of months during this pandemic and the racial injustice uh, movement and, and everything else that we've experienced is like the players, the national uh, name, image, and likeness, like they're not, not having their voice heard as much or not at least being considered. And I, I, I think so many times we use the word kids you know, when we talk about these kids, they're out working hard. These kids are happy to be back. These kids want to play. These aren't really kids. They're 18 to 22-year-old adults in our country. When you're 18, you have the right to make an adult decision. Why not let people decide whether or not they want to opt in or opt out? And I know the NCAA said there's not going to be any sort of waivers of liability, but that be, might be what it takes at this point in time. Let players 
make an educated decision with the risks that, that we know, you know, the knowledge that we know. Let's make a decision and decide who wants to play. And if you don't want to play, it's not going to be held against you. You'll have your scholarship. You'll have another year of eligibility. But let those that want to play have the opportunity to play. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the opportunity to play, a lot of these guys who are fringe NFL draft picks or they hope to improve their stock, I mean, there's a lot riding on this. Uh, Joe Burrow actually tweeted today, you know, if, if not for last season, he yeah. could be looking for a job today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I told Derek before we started recording, a guy like Josh Allen at Kentucky a couple of years ago, what would have this have done to him yeah. if he wouldn't have had that huge senior season? Yeah. So I, I guess I ask you, former player, if you were in this spot – I know it's kind of hard to put yourself in that spot when you're really technically not in it, but if you could go back and this had happened 20 years ago, how would you feel about everything going on? Well, that's the way that I look at it still from that perspective of the player. And even more so now, you know, I I used to laugh all the time uh, when, when I was a freshman or a sophomore, you know, young in your career, you'd have the older guys come back and they tell you how quick it goes by. And you'd be like, Oh man, this is, it's going to last forever. And all of a sudden, it's gone and you realize it's over with. And now to think about these kids having to potentially miss an entire year of of college football for those that are juniors and seniors that may not even play another down of college football that may go on to the NFL uh, if they don't have a season this year, it's sad because it is a a lot about the opportunity that it gives the players. Um, I'm with you like Joe Burt. Like if I wouldn't have had the senior year I would have had, I wouldn't have got drafted. I wouldn't have had the chance to play in the NFL. So Having that platform, having the opportunity to put film out there that's going to give yourself a chance to play at the next level is important. But let's not just forget the life lessons and experiences and memories that are created by playing college football. I played in the NFL for nine years, and my, as fun as that was, you know, collected paychecks, I was you know, 22 years old with teammates with a guy that's 35 and has four kids. I mean, it's different periods of life, whereas in college – you come in, everybody's in that four- or five-year age range. Everybody's in the stage, same stage of life. You're, you're, you're enjoying, you're, you're growing up, you're creating these memories together. And that's the thing I think that I, I fear that they're going to miss the most. Not only that, but the, the life lessons that are learned. I think football is the greatest vehicle for teaching kids about life, overcoming adversity, persevering, sticking together, setting goals, working as a team. And uh, those are the things that I think these kids potentially are going to miss out on, not to mention the fact that, like they've said, they've got the best health care available to them when they're on campus. They've got the best nutrition when they're on campus. They've got the best protocols around the, 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 the locker rooms and the, and the workout facilities. Like, why would we want to send them home to where they're subject to things that are even more dangerous for themselves? Chris, since there haven't been any cancellations or anything yet, let's talk as if the season will take place. And okay. I mean, in, there are a lot of people who think Mark Stoops has his best team yet uh, from a depth perspective, just from pure talent. I see a lot of the websites and, and people who scout, scout the game say that UK's offensive line is one of the best in the country. Just, just for you, from your end, what, what kind of potential do you see for, from UK in the league this year? Yeah, well, from the I said this on the the uh, selection show, not the selection show, the reveal show, whatever it was the other day. Thinking NCAA tournament here, but the uh, the the thing that I talked about leading up after the announcement was made that it was going to be a ten game season, they were going to unveil two new conference opponents from the opposite divisions for each team. I said somebody is going to be disappointed when they draw Kentucky because this is not Kentucky of days of old. This is a Kentucky team that, as you mentioned has one of the best offensive – I think they do have the best offensive line in the SEC, one of the best offensive lines in the entire country. I think they have 
I think they've got real physicality on both lines of scrimmage. I know they lost a, a couple guys up the middle of that defense, and certainly Cash Daniel as a leader on the uh, uh, on that defense is going to be tough to replace. But all the experience, particularly in the secondary that you get back, and what a contrast that was from where they were last year at this time. I think about getting Terry Wilson back, and if he can play to the level of what everybody was saying he was going to play last year prior to the injury in September, like I, I just have a lot of excitement. They're, they're, my, they're my dark horse team in the SEC East, and I know that's tough with where Georgia and Florida appear to be at this point in time. But if you ever, if you ever built to have success in an unusual, unconventional season like this, you would want to have continuity on the coaching staff, which they had, largely have. You'd want to have players, veteran players with experience on both sides of the ball, which they have, and a quarterback that's been in the fray, fray before. And I know it's been a year or so since Terry Wilson played, but you have a guy that has SEC experience, which is not something you can say at Georgia. It's not something you can necessarily say at Mississippi State. There's a lot of places that are in much worse situations at the quarterback spot uh, than where Kentucky is right now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll ask you one more question, too, about staying, staying on that topic of Kentucky improving, having a shot to possibly get to Atlanta this year. They opened the season in the coaches' poll at number 29. And Derek and I talked about this last week. That's one of the – probably the highest-ranking preseason that I've seen a Mark Stoops team at Kentucky have. And Does it seem like th- this program is getting more national respect now? After the last couple of years, I don't even know if that's what Mark Stoops wants, though. I, he's played that disrespect card so many years in a row, and it seems to have worked. Like, I don't think people realize that what he's built in terms of, of depth of talent, that's what you got to have. I mean, Kentucky in the past has had a, a good player here, had, had, a, had a Tim Couch here, has had a, uh, another you know, star here or there, but they haven't had the depth of talent that they have now. And when you compete in practice every day, I can tell you this from my experience at Florida. My receiving cores at Florida were better than any receiving core for the most part that I played a part of in the NFL. Every day you were having to compete for your position. Every day you're having to compete for reps uh, in, in the game. And so when you have that and players can't coast and players have to always uh, be pushing forward, it's going to raise the overall talent level of the team. And I think that Mark Stoops has done, he's done it in an unconventional way where everybody else in the league is going south he went north into Ohio. You know, nobody outside of maybe, you know, Dan Mullen, in my opinion, in the SEC develops talent the way that, that Mark Stoops does. And so I, I, I love watching the story. I've loved kind of being on the bandwagon before a lot of other people have. And, and uh, you know, I, I, got, I got criticized on Twitter after the, the Friday night announcement where I was speaking so highly of Kentucky where uh, everybody thinks that Alabama got a free pass. I think that's going to be a sneaky game, a sneaky good game uh, in Tuscaloosa this year if we get to play it. Yeah, well, you and Peter Burns were high on Kentucky before the 10-3 and three season. So, right. I mean, uh, I think I'd trust your all's opinion. Uh, Chris, So, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's been crazy the last few days, and like you said, th- this might all be old news by 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, but let's, <laughs> let's hope it's not. Yeah, let's hope it's not, and let's hope we keep pushing in the right direction. But I do want to say this. I think we have outstanding leadership with Greg Sankey and, and his plan that he's put together, and I, I trust that uh, we'll find every possible way to have a season. Um, and if we don't, then uh, it, I guess it, it wasn't meant to be, but it, we're not bailing out early. I promise you that. He's Chris Doring, and you're listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll be back right after this.
welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily. We we hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Doring. As as Derek said in the beginning, he we both said he's he's just a guy that has been high on Kentucky for the last three or four years. He put himself out there. Him and Peter Burns both did before the 2018 season. I remember Peter actually had him going nine and three in predictions, Derek, that year before they even went nine and three in the regular season. And then Chris Doring was another guy that was right there. I think eight and four, nine win possibility. But you heard him talk. Really good interview. What is your biggest takeaway from that segment with him? You know, Chris, obviously a very smart guy. Um, being on the SEC network, he, you can tell he has strong faith in Greg Sankey's leadership, kind of how he closed it, talking about how they're going to do the right things. But, again, I mean, another year where he thinks they could be a dark horse in the SEC East. Had some compliments for, for Stoops again, saying that he thought uh, Stoops and Dan Mullen, the two best at developing uh, players and you know for Stoops' sake though I mean on on paper Mullen is working with far superior recruits out of high school as what Stoops is having to work with and and even on that note I mean Stoops has raised the talent level at UK though than more than any coach in my lifetime but although it was a great segment I mean I, I enjoyed having Chris on his knowledge of the league I mean he's a guy who played at Florida um still obviously has his pulse on Florida but also the rest of the league but what about you do you have any any major takeaways from that I really liked how he closed it with Sankey and you know Sankey came out today and he's preaching patience with this and he said that's the one thing that he's been taught or he's learned during this is to have patience and seeing Sankey You'll remember this in March when he had to go to that podium that day. I wasn't in Nashville. I was heading to Nashville that day. But you could see the the pain, you know, having to pull the plug on the SEC tournament. And then followed that, you had the spring sports, the cancellation. And now you're in this and you think you're moving in the right direction. And I, I liked how that's – you see the respect that these people have for Greg Sankey when they come out and say those things like that. And I, like I said earlier, I, I can't imagine being in a position like Sankey's or any other commissioner around one of these power fives or even one of these, you know, non-power five conferences. I just can't even imagine the the loss of sleep, you know, that a guy like, you know, Mitch Barnhart at UK and all these people have. And I mean, I barely sleep right now with what's going on. I can't imagine having to make decisions like they're having to make. That's why they make the big bucks, right? I mean, that's true. I guess if I was making that kind of money, I probably would be able to make those decisions. I'd sleep on two hours. But, no, I think that – I think he's just uh, – Chris is a really good interview. And, you know, I, I look forward to us having him back on. I thought it was a very solid first guest. He was actually on the very first episode I ever debuted on the radio a couple of years ago. So he's been a guy that when we start something new, I always hit him up and appreciate him in a day like today where there's just been so much news. We talked about it. We, we had planned recording like four hours before we did it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, if any, they're in the same position we're in. But they have to record a show that goes live at like 7 o'clock in the morning. And that's actually – usually that show is three hours long, and right now they're only recording an hour because what are you going to talk about for three hours? Like we have to fill 30 minutes of a podcast. Can you imagine three hours? It seems like you'd be rehashing a lot of things. But, I mean – same hand, you probably appreciate days like today. You do. News, but, you uh, do. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think I think we're through the clear in the clear tonight. So this is Monday night now, a little after ten, almost ten thirty. I think we're almost in the clear with no breaking news tonight. I, I think 
it'll be interesting to see what Tuesday holds. But it feels like that there might not be a whole lot tomorrow either. It feels like that this could be a few days before we get more. It seems like that everybody's sort of pushing pause a little bit. It seems like all these meetings are going to take place and all these decisions. Uh, I hope that we have football to talk about. Uh, I don't know. Like you could tell Chris seems to feel a little better about it than what some people do. Uh, if we'd recorded this on Monday a.m., I don't think any either of us would have felt really good about college football being played. It would have been a different tone for sure. Almost wonder in some ways if the Big Ten wasn't a wasn't the guinea pig. To, they put it out there that they're probably uh, or someone leaked it that it was uh, inevitable that they're going to be canceling and the, the just the quick response of disapproval I think has played a role in what some of these other leagues are doing, but maybe not the SEC. I, I really do think the SEC is always going to be the last one to make this call. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised. You got the statement today from Sankey. I, you might not hear from him again for a few days. I mean, I don't – if they're going to let this thing ride out, I don't see the point in getting back out. Unless something major happens, I don't see the point in getting back out today or this week even, really, and sending out another statement. Let it go by. Let, it, let a few more weeks pass. Keep developing your plan, the things that you uh, want to do. And you get the players on board and the coaches on board, I think you can at least start a season. You'll have more challenges that happen once the season starts, but if you can just get there and get it rolling, I mean, it seems like that might be the hardest part is just getting the support to to even start the thing. Yeah, the, I, I think that was an interesting point, too, that Chris made, that the Big Ten just went on their own back in July. And they're like you said, what was the point in announcing the schedule when they announced it? And I think it caught all – it caught me off guard. I'm sure it caught a lot of these conferences off guard. So, I mean, maybe the, Benny, the Big Ten was supposed to be the guinea pig on this thing. And then I guess the, the pushback that they got from coaches and players. I mean, we learned today that Jim Harbaugh, is, he's not very solid at mathematics and things like that. We, he we strikes learned. me as being a guy who, who cares about football and, and, and football. That's about it. Yeah. Like at what he said, I think they had it. He said 893 total tests, 11 positives, and said it was 0.01%. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know because well, I mean those those are obviously the same people being tested over and over again. Yeah, I don't know if you're seeing this from Bruce Feldman at the Pac-12 meeting tomorrow to announce or to decide if the presidents are going to decide tomorrow if they're going to postpone or delay or or continue as is. That might be the last update we get tonight on the national media scale. Yeah, I'm assuming that will be. Um, still don't think that we'll have oh right here you know Pac-12 after dark for sure right there huh yeah you know <laughs> yeah I see it's it right here. Eastern on the East Coast yeah <laughs> well I guess and we're we're scheduled to have Ross Dellinger on for our next episode he, but Derek I think a fantastic job he is doing minutes. amazing I actually I told him that when I uh, messaged him I think it was Saturday when I messaged him Saturday night I said you're you're doing a fantastic job for the last three or four weeks, if you haven't read something from Ross, then you're not reading anything when it comes to college football. Like that has been everywhere. So we're hopeful that he will be on the next episode. But Derek and I are going to go ahead and tell you that that dude is literally grinding out there. And he told me we're tentatively scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern time. Who knows if that happens? That's like right in the heart of the day tomorrow. It might be 1 a.m. for all we know before we get Ross on something. But I'm going to reach out to him first thing in the morning. We'll do our best to get him on. It might be something that it's delayed a day or so. But I'll, I'm sure Ross, whenever things slows down, will we'll, uh, try to record with us. But I hope everybody enjoys this episode. We're, we'll get into some basketball talk. Of course, there's some basketball news out there, Derek, with Kenny Payne and some things that we're just sort of waiting to just sort of unpack those when something 
we don't really know a whole lot right now. All we know is there's an offer from the Knicks, but I, we could stand sit here and talk for 30 minutes about nothing because we don't really know anything right now. So we'll uh, we'll save that stuff for a later episode in the week. Uh, Derek, tell them where they can follow you and any any work you want to plug or anything like that. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Derek S. Terry. Um, that's about it for now. Kind of in a holding pattern, seeing what's going to happen <laughs> with the work. So hope you enjoy the interview with Chris. Like like Sean said, we appreciate him making some time out to join us. And, and hopefully we'll get Ross on tomorrow and, and kind of learn about his reporting process through all this and how he's kind of been on the front lines reporting a lot of the news that, that the fans are, are following right now. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's every story, like every conference. He's going to be able to dive into it all, the Pac-12, the liability concerns, all that stuff. He's going to be able to unpack all that for the listeners here. Uh, hopefully by the time you get this in your podcast feed, you will be able to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and some of these other players. I apologize if you can't. We're just in a waiting and holding pattern, feels like with everything now that we're waiting on iTunes and Apple to get back to us. Usually most of my podcasts in the past have been 48 hours. This one seems like it might be four to eight days for all I know. So hopefully whenever that's there, you'll be able to subscribe. It'll be on Spotify at some point once we get five episodes in. So this is two. So we're moving in the direction to where you can listen. But we appreciate you uh, being able to listen on the Podbean app. That's where I recommend it right now. Uh, I'll write another uh, transcript and some things up that, to get it out there on the website in case you, you miss it on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at GBB Country. You can uh, access the Facebook page at Go Big Blue Country. Everything will be there. Uh, the interview with Chris, the video will go up uh, Tuesday morning, probably around 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. So if you want to watch the video of that interview as well as listen to the audio on your way to work, on your way to the gym, while you're on the treadmill, it doesn't matter. Uh, but he's Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. I'm Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. You've listened to Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow.